Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody. So glad you've joined us today on the Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the purpose of a local church, the purpose of a local church. You know, this is really a question. This is really a point of discussion in this era. Uh, you know, as, as the body of Christ has seen different emphases uh, over the last number of decades, we came into what they were kind of heralding as the era of, of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. You, you had people lay fantastic foundation on that, people like Dr. Miles Monroe and different ones. And, you know, there were some extreme views that came out of that era, not from Dr. Miles Monroe, but from some saying, okay, it's now the era of the kingdom, it's no more the era of the church. <laughs> People began to say, well, it's the end of the, the church age, and I don't go to church, I'm already in the kingdom, and, and you know, the bus shelter I sit in each day, that's my church, or the boardroom I serve in, that's my church, and, and where things, the lines got blurred a bit is, yes, we are the church, capital C, we are the church when we gather and we are the church, when we scatter. Everywhere we go, we are the church. And so you could say where two or three are gathered in my name, even intentionally, two or three people even at a workplace, the church is there. You know, th this is absolutely true. There's no question. But the local church expression has certain components to it that are absolutely necessary to fulfill the Great Commission, to fulfill the greater purpose. So let me give you an example. You know, when we are History Makers Academy, when we were training and equipping, and this is what we do, we train and equip leaders and send them out into society, bringing the kingdom to their sphere, okay? That's our whole emphasis. We are the church when we gather. We are the church when we scatter. And, and we would... You know, we had this incredible single-parent program that was active in the community. And you could say, yeah, the church was there. But as soon as these programs would begin to win people to Christ, remember that's the goal, as soon as we would begin to win people to Jesus, well, guess what? These single moms wanted to go to church. <laughs> and, and, and we didn't say to them, no, no, you are the church. We are the church here. They're saying, no, I, I want to go to church where my kids can attend a, a children's program. Or, uh, you know, I can, I can worship with other believers in a building, building relationships, be part of, you know, I want to be discipled uh, on a schedule. I want to be part of a cell group. I want, you know, all the things that a local church has to help a believer become who they are to be in Christ can be found in the local church expression. So I'm just giving a bit more definition here and clarity to what we're talking about as we discuss this, this age and this era we're in. So when we talk about the purpose of a local church, I'm going to bring it down uh, uh, even a little more deeper now here. Uh, and in a way that you may have never heard before, we know that we are in one of the greatest church reformations 
since Martin Luther for sure, maybe even since the book of Acts. We're right in the eye of that Reformation storm right now, and, and there are lots of components and elements to this Reformation, but one of the main undertones that you will see is the emphasis of, of not sitting in church, uh, waiting you know, for Jesus to return and take us all home where the church is a waiting room. No, it's that the church is a place of training and equipping, awakening people in their calling, purpose, and destiny, equipping them in it, and sending them out to go and get the harvest. <laughs> okay, does that sound good? Yeah, sounds like a great strategy to reaching people, not just waiting in a building. You know, and it, it's really amazing that we ever thought we could fulfill the Great Commission of discipling whole nations, okay? The Great Commission of discipling nations simply by meeting in a building once a week for a couple hours. <laughs> no, we know there is much more to that, but there has been a shift. Holy Spirit has graciously led us through this shift in our thinking into accelerated beyond the four walls ministry. Why? So that we can reach people that are out there, that are not coming and, and rushing and, and running to the church. And I, I had to go through a very painful experience uh, for myself as a minister. When, when I came off the road and was based in a local church, I became a young adult pastor slash executive pastor at my father's church. And, and immediately, somewhat of a revival broke out for the next seven or eight years. And we had just glorious services. How many know what I'm talking about? When your church is experiencing the renewal of God, healings, long services where you're all over the floor, you're just having encounters, um, uh, people are coming and getting delivered, it's like you're ministering with ease, there's just a glory that rests on the house. And, and for me as a young minister, I just thought that's all there is. You know, what more would I want than gathering people in a building to hear me preach, <laughs> take up big offerings, you know, watch the numbers increase a little bit. And, and I just thought that's what you did. And guys, don't stray too far. Make sure you come back next week because I've got another word that you need. <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. And, and, and God manifests himself in that. That's not bad, but it's part of. I didn't know that that was just one side of a two-sided coin. And God gave us that glory and that grace for a select period of time, seven or eight years. He gave us that grace so that he could emphasize one side of a two-sided coin, and then guess what he did, which was horrifying for me as a young leader. He began to withdraw his glory from the services, and I was left, well, what do we do now? <laughs> I'm stuck preaching to the same people for the next 40 years? <laughs> no thanks. And uh, maybe that was a bit selfish of me, but, you know, I wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. And I thought that the way you fulfill the Great Commission is keep gathering more people inside your building once a week. <laughs> That's what I thought. And only when God withdrew his glory and began to show us something else did I see the other side of this two-sided coin, which was awakening the individual church members calling in purpose, what they are born to do, and equipping them in it, and sending them out into society for the transformation uh, of the world. And when, when we would do that, when we would sow them and send them, 
when we would equip them and send them, they would come back to the church each week bringing people with them. <laughs> Does that make sense? You know, this is just what we have to do. Let, let me show you this in scripture. And I'll give you an example. I want to show you Matthew chapter 13, and we'll read verses 36 to 39. Matthew 13, 36 to 39 says, Then he left the crowd, speaking of Jesus, and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. You know why the disciples took Jesus aside and said, Can you explain this? It's because he had thrown a curveball. <laughs> and he was about to throw a bigger one. Up until this point, in fact, let me just let you hear the rest of this. Verse 37, and he said, so now Jesus is going to answer their question of going deeper. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, and the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom. Who are the seed? The sons of the kingdom. Now, up until this point, the disciples had heard a lot of teaching on seeds and they understood the seeds was the word of God preached, basically a great sermon. And some fell on this soil and some fell on that soil. That's what the disciples had heard. That was their box at this point. But then they heard Jesus alluding to seeds being people. And Jesus comes out and says, actually, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. Well, this is loaded. This is to say that Jesus is saying, you are the best sermon that God could preach. <laughs> when you go out and bring the kingdom of God and the maturity of Jesus with you into whatever pulpit or place in society that he's called you to, when you go and do that, you are now the seed that's been sown. You are now the encompassing or the embodiment of the word, the sperma, the DNA of God. And you bring it out into society and you release it as a seed sent from the silo for the purpose of what? Reaching the harvest. <laughs> Doesn't this make sense? You know, this is what a farmer does. A farmer goes and sows seed, wanting to get a return on his investment. And you know what, God, we're catching a glimpse of the methodology or strategic thinking of God here. When he wants to reap something, he sows something. When he wants to reap a harvest from the world, he sows mature sons and daughters into the world. How about that? <laughs> and what we've done as charismatics, sometimes we've really mishandled this. I mean, imagine a farmer... Uh, uh, goes out and sows seed into his field, and then he wakes up one morning and he nudges his wife. He says, honey, look, the pumpkin field is, is ripe for harvest. Look at all those pumpkins. Well, you know what we would do as believers? We, we would take our, our spouse's hand and we'd get down on our knees and we'd begin to pray and intercede and declare and prophesy that these vegetables will supernaturally get up and make their way into the barn. <laughs> <laughs> we would try to pray them in. We would try to do something supernaturally that God expects us to do naturally. You don't have to pray about it. Go and get the harvest that's ripe right now. Go and get those pumpkins. What does the farmer do? He sends his sons out into the field to get the harvest that's ripe. And if he doesn't have enough sons, he trains and equips laborers. He hires laborers to go out and get the harvest that is ripe. <laughs> Hallelujah. What have we done with the church? I better not clap too loud on here. Those of you listening in your earbuds or something might have just got a shock. But you see, the seed 
you are the seed that God wants to sow to reach the harvest. So what does this mean for the local church? Did you know that the local church can actually become a factory, a silo of raising up and preparing mature sons and daughters that can be sown into society to reach and get that harvest? Have you ever thought of that? That we actually, the church can be a factory that takes baby Christians and turns them into mature sons and daughters for the purpose of systematic sending into society. Because when it comes to the harvest, here's the principle. At the time of the harvest and at the end of the age, only mature sons and daughters are trusted to bring in the harvest. God does not send babies out to get a ripe harvest. And for many of us, we're saying, well, it isn't harvest time yet. Or it'll be harvest time at Rosh Hashanah. Or this prophet said, oh, the, the harvest is coming. <laughs> One day it's coming. Listen, let me tell you what Jesus said in John 4. Do not say there are still four more months and then the harvest. For I tell you the harvest is ripe right now. <laughs> That's Jesus. You know, next time you hear somebody say, One day the harvest is coming, I think... You know, this prophetic word that the, the planets will align and, and the birds are going to fly north instead of south and, and then you'll know it's the time of the harvest. Just correct them gently <laughs> because Jesus said the harvest is ripe right now. Jesus wants to reach people right now. Do I believe in times and epochs and seasons that are God wants to do something specific or have an emphasis? Absolutely. But the harvest is always in season when it comes to the kingdom of God. Amen. So, you know, Jesus said he saw the people dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, pray the Lord of the harvest, who I believe is Holy Spirit, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out. That word send, of course, very popular word. You know it. It's the Greek word ekbalo. It's where we get the English word to bellow out. So again, you have God preaching. You have bellowing sons and daughters. You are the preach of God into society. You are being ekbellowed. Now this word ekbello is a fantastic word, very unusual word. And, and it has to do with a radical, violent way of sending someone somewhere. So you'll find it's also the word used where Jesus gave the disciples authority to cast out demons, to send out demons, to ekbalo demons. If you've ever seen a demon cast out of somebody, this is a messy thing. <laughs> and in fact, when you study this word ekbalo throughout scripture, you find that it's almost always used for something that's very dramatic something negative, like it's usually about casting people into outer darkness or, you know, just different things that are not so pretty sounding. But it, in this particular passage, why would Jesus use this word ekbalo, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, to ekbalo them? It's because the word ekbalo actually paints a picture of, it's really a word to describe, now catch this, the sending of someone somewhere, they are reluctant to go. <laughs> or the sending of someone somewhere, they are resistant to go. Picture somebody holding on to the church pew, holding on to their church chair with white knuckles, 
They don't want to be sent out there into society. <laughs> and you know what? God wants to use you in such a way that it'll cost you something when you're sent out. You'll often have to go through painful process before God can release you into your platform, just like Joseph or just like whoever. You'll go through some things. I wish that it was that God just pastored me into a a promotion at my job. <laughs> he just sent me to the mission field with more money than I, than I ever had before. No, it doesn't work that way. He takes you low so that he can trust you with high. He can trust you with the grace to fulfill your calling. And so he sends you out. He follows you. He shakes the church up. That's what we're in right now. He's shaking the chairs. He's shaking up the church pews because he's got to get the church out there where the harvest really is. God wants to send sons and daughters like seeds. This is the glory of the local church, that we can take baby Christians fish. We can catch fish, cook them, clean them, fillet them. <laughs> but in the kingdom, it would be put them back together and send them back into the water <laughs> to reach other fish. At the time of the harvest and at the end of the age, only mature sons and daughters are entrusted with that harvest. So, so the principle is this. The goal of the local church is not just to gather people into the building and brag about how many we have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been to the pastor meetings, <laughs> coffee in one hand, and well, how many people do you have coming to your church? Well, how many people do you have? And I have 500, I have 1,000, I have 5,000. The person with the most club members <laughs> is seen as the most successful minister. Can you imagine that we've, we've, we've reduced kingdom results? We've reduced ministry down to how many people? you have show up once a week in a building, I'll tell you, Jesus wouldn't have been the popular pastor at that table. Well, I have 12. But I'm really intensely training them. <laughs> and they're going to set in motion a, a Christian movement that will go for generations until I return. Yeah, right, Jesus, you and your 12. I have 10,000. <laughs> Listen, the reality is, in many of our churches, many members but few sons and daughters mature enough to be sent out into society beyond the four walls to reach the harvest. So the goal of the local church is not just to gather as many people as we can and brag about how many we have. The glory of the local church is that we can take baby Christians Put them through discipleship. Put them through deliverance. Put them through leadership training and equipping. And send them back out into the harvest to bring in that harvest. Listen, let me, let me finish by telling you about Aletha. Aletha attended our church a number of years ago. And, and she was a strong leader. You know, she had become... A mature son and daughter, as they say. A mature daughter, actually. She's a female. And uh, she came to me one day, and I was still trying to get this message. I was still a little bit of the, the era of really holding on. And it was just Christianity for me was come to the church and just make sure you put in your time and tithe every Sunday. As important as that is, by the way. I don't want to minimize the gathering together corporately hearing the, 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 the word from our senior pastor, communion elements together, water baptism, accountability. I don't want to 
remove any of that or minimize it. But she came and she said, Pastor, I'm feeling like God is calling me to go to chapter, you know, I got a job at Chapter's bookstore, this huge bookstore chain. And she said, I feel God is calling me to put emphasis there. I'm taking more shifts. I'm, I'm going to be there all the time. And listen, I have faithfully raised up leaders, co-leaders for the cell groups that I oversee. She oversaw a number of these cell groups. And so uh, she tells me this and I think, oh no, I don't want to lose one of my best leaders. I was thinking that by sewing her into Chapter's bookstore <laughs> where the harvest is that I'm losing as a pastor. I might lose someone. And uh, I was still thinking church membership. And, and you know, eventually though, I, I was like Pharaoh, you know, I let the people go. God had mercy on me and helped me make this shift. And, and we sent her, we blessed her and sent her into Chapter's bookstore. I, I really didn't know how much she could do for the Lord there. But, you know, one of the things she did was she was such a good worker. She was so excellent. And why not? She's a mature daughter. The image of Jesus has been formed in her. The word has become flesh in her as a seed that is sown. Just like God the Father sowed Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. In the same way God wants the word, Jesus, to become flesh in us so that others, wherever we go, behold his glory. And she's in there and, and she gets promoted to manager. So she's a gatekeeper now <laughs> for all the for all the spiritual uh, all the spiritual connotations I'll give you. She's a gatekeeper at Chapters Bookstore now. And when she was on her shift, she would she would play worship music instead of secular music. Now it was it was instrumentals. Uh, there were no words, but these were worship songs. And as she would play this, she was cultivating uh, the atmosphere of heaven. And so sure enough, as the atmosphere of heaven would be there, things would begin to happen. And she made a no swearing rule. She did creative kingdom things, creative things that were rooted in kingdom principles. She made this jar, this no swearing jar, and people would put a dollar in it if they swore, you know, her, her co-workers and, and that, and just had fun with it, you know, and she was just creating this kingdom atmosphere through through the spirit of the kingdom and the principles and pretty soon her workers began to come to her and open up about things <laughs> they began to share their hearts they say i don't know why i'm telling you this but i just feel i can open up to you and 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 pretty soon that she would take them into the back office and that was almost like pastoral care office at Chapters Bookstore, okay? And she would take them back there and minister to them, counsel them, and the inevitable happened. They, they got saved. These people started giving their lives to Jesus. And guess what else? Aletha began to bring them to the church. One by one, they were coming. I think there were 10 of them. She was bringing them to church. They got involved in ushering. They got involved in the worship team, you know. And I began to, I thought, man, this is a great church growth strategy. I sowed one seed, one Aletha, <laughs> and I got 10 back, <laughs> 10 people. And I thought, this is the key. And that was really what helped me make the shift to it's not about you coming to my church. It's not my church, but you coming to my church to serve me. And it's, if you come to God's church, how can I serve you? How can I as a pastor, and this is really the nature of the apostolic, how can I as a pastor uh, uh, help you to be awakened in your calling? 
How can I equip you in your purpose? How can I send you into your destiny and your pulpit? Don't just come and listen to me in in my pulpit in the church. How can I equip you in your pulpit that's out there? Bring the kingdom out there. And when you do that, the church can become this factory of training, equipping, sending. (laughs) Saving, delivering, training, equipping, sending. Saving, delivering, training, equipping, sending. And they go out and they come in. And I began to see the glory of the local church the reason for the local church. And since then, through our History Makers three-day trainings, our History Makers Academy, little shameless plug here, (laughs) historymakersacademy.com. And we've got another training coming up in May, three-day training online and in person. We were able to help awaken people, equip them, and send them. It's a destiny door that opens up heaven in their sphere so that they can reach people for the kingdom. This is the glory of the local church. This is why we go. This is what it's supposed to be. And when you have churches that have made this kind of shift, not overly dependent upon how can I just get people to the building and we use every kind of shtick and spin and smoke and light and mirrors and skinny jeans and Starbucks. We do everything we can to get people into the building when we don't realize when you sow seeds, when you release, you will see that the kingdom will visit that society and you can actually pastor your city through your church members. Every believer that's listening to my words right now has a pulpit, has a platform. Discover it and bring the kingdom of God there, and then the church will fulfill its highest mandate of the Great Commission. Go into the world and disciple all nations. Teach them. Teach them to observe. Disciple them. Baptize them. We thank God for the Great Commission. This is the glory of the local church. God bless. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.